Good morning, Dog Nation. I am Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily. Daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger Royal Caribbean Cruise. I'm on one right now. Great shows while I'm gone. Hopefully we're doing that for you. It continues today. Something kind of funny that I think Nick Saban's going to kind of hate, but if you're a Georgia fan, you're going to love. We're going to talk about that here coming up in a moment. Also, Kirby Smart recently uh, gave some really nice credit to some Georgia fans about something that I think is pretty important. So I want to give that to you as a part of our show here today. We're going to get into a bunch of UGA recruiting talk with Jeff Sintel. That's really good. I'll make my official predictions for the SEC West. I think I got some of this kind of mangled on yesterday's show. We're going to do the SEC West uh, predictions here coming up in just a minute. That is going to be fun. Going to close out the week on a very strong note and in style. We are so happy to have you with us as we do. It is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger. And it begins right now. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. A lot of y'all know I love the preseason magazines. I'm about old school analog magazine. I like to buy them at newsstands. I like to read them in the pool. I get you know the ink all over my body, which is, I'm sure, not a very attractive image for you to uh, consider. But nonetheless, I kind of like the old school magazines. In fact, as I'm speaking to you today, I am on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship enjoying a great cruise vacation with my family, and there's a very good chance I sit on that pool deck there. I'm probably reading a college football preseason magazine. I just enjoy doing that this time of year well the other day i was at the pool in my neighborhood and i was reading the athlon sports college football preview magazine and something that i read made me laugh out loud and i'm going to try to explain this to you over the course of the next couple of minutes to see if you think it is as funny as i thought it was the other day because literally i lol'd uh when i saw this and by lol i mean literally laughed out loud when i saw this here's the explanation A year or so ago, Nick Saban kind of introduced a phrase into the college football lexicon that sort of stuck with us for a while, that Nick Saban was kind of in a habit, and he's done this seemingly a lot lately, where he's making excuses for why Alabama didn't win the national championship in 2021. And from his perspective, there was a very understandable and forgivable reason why Alabama did not win the national championship in 2021. In Nick Saban's eyes, they weren't even supposed to win the championship that particular year because it was, as he would explain, a rebuilding year. This is Nick Saban on the idea of 2021 for Alabama being a rebuilding year, and apparently rebuilding years don't count. Here is Nick Saban. Last year we had kind of a rebuilding year, so we should have nine starters back on offense, nine on defense, but six guys go out early for the draft, so now we have five back on offense and seven back on defense. So that in and of itself creates a few more question marks, but it also creates opportunity for other players to be able to shine in the program and contribute in a positive way. So nobody knows for sure how all this stuff's going to sort of come to fruition, but that's the part of the excitement and challenge that we have to try to develop a team. Now, the college football media doesn't always cover itself in glory, but the truth is, in this particular instance, I will give credit that most folks saw right through this. This was kind of portrayed as an example of Saban trying to downplay Georgia's national championship, throw dirt on Georgia's success, and kind of excuse or explain away 
Alabama's lack of success there in 2021, and most folks at the time weren't really having it, including uh, you know someone you might think of as a typical supporter of uh, Nick Saban's, uh, Paul Feinbaum. He went on ESPN, and he kind of let Saban have it at the time for the idea that losing in 2021 and not winning the national championship could be forgiven or excused away because it was a rebuilding year. This is what Feinbaum said at the time. This is very predictable if you follow Nick Saban closely. Whenever he loses a game, like a national championship game, here comes the excuse. Here comes the Nick Saban grievance tour. I mean, sometimes I don't know whether Nick Saban is trying to continue to be the greatest coach of all time or he wants Jimmy Kimmel's job. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really understand it because... Quite, quite frankly, at some point, it's not a great look. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say where I live because Nick Saban can do no wrong. But, uh, you know, first it was NIL that he was complaining about over and over. And, and now he's quibbling about uh, what happened last year. And th- and by the way, Greeny, uh, in the past, you can go back into the record book. Every time he loses one of these games, he called, a, he called the Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago a consolation game. He blamed the NFL draft on the loss to Ohio State when, when Ezekiel Elliott was there. There's always something with Nick Saban but we still love him don't we so the chorus of criticism against Saban was so profound including from Paul Feinbaum right there that Saban eventually a year ago kind of had to clarify his comments a little bit about exactly what he meant by the notion that it was a rebuilding year for him in 2021 the excuse making around that I'm not quite so sure the clarity from the explanation actually benefited Saban very much but nonetheless he was forced to revisit the topic again. And one more reminder of exactly what Saban said about the idea of Bama suffering through a rebuilding year in its national runner-up season of 2021. I don't understand what's so hard to understand. When The point being, we were young, and we should have nine starters back on offense and nine starters back on defense. That's the point I was trying to make. Six guys went out for the draft, So as we usually have to do, we have lots of rebuilding to do again this season. So that's the point that I was trying to make. So when you have a lot of young players playing, I don't think our standard is like everybody else's standard, but when you have a lot of young players playing, you're actually trying to rebuild so those guys get the kind of experience you need so they can play at the level you need them to play at so you can play to the standard you want to play to. I'm not sure Saban's explanation there helped him out all that much. It still kind of comes across as he was making an excuse for why they did not win a national championship in 2021. Georgia fans hated it. A lot of the media called him out for it. We think correctly so, but nonetheless, that kind of became the sort of litany of excuses, one of them anyway, that Nick Saban uh, was using. So, it's that as the pretext, what I said a moment ago. So when I was reading the Athlon Sports College Football Preview magazine of the day, I saw something that literally made me laugh. And as I read it, I thought, gosh, Nick Saban must completely hate this. Because if you've ever read a preseason magazine, maybe it's been a while since you have, but you kind of know how these things work. There's the various paragraphs. There's one for like, hey, here's what happened last season. Here's the outlook for the offense this year. Here's what the outlook is for the defense this year. It was actually in that kind of chapter or paragraph however you want to describe it about the Georgia defense that the sentence that I thought oh my gosh if Nick Saban read this he would you know uh, he'd lose his mind Uh, he'd spill his hair dye if he read this Um, uh, and (laughs) 
the fact is, is that uh, in light of what Saban kind of introduced to us, the notion of a rebuilding year and nothing good can be expected to happen in a rebuilding year. Apparently, the folks at Athlon didn't explain it to the Georgia Bulldogs. As the folks at Athlon see it, looking ahead of the Georgia defense in 2023, they provide this reminder from 2022. In fact, let me show you this on the screen. Via the Athlon Sports College Football Preview magazine, their evaluation of the Georgia defense says, believe it or not, 2022 was a rebuilding year on defense. Now, wait a second. If you're Nick Saban, you're like, well, rebuilding years, you can't do anything in those years. You're Anything that happens in that year is completely excused away. You're forgiven. If you lose the national championship or whatever else, it doesn't count because it was only a rebuilding year. But Athlon says, guess what? There are some programs who are capable of winning national championships in what is actually their rebuilding year and we were talking you know kind of before uh, we uh, recorded the show here some folks were laughing about the idea that anything connected to, to to georgia football and rebuilding year could make any sense from 2022 but hold on now hold on now this time a year ago a lot of folks have been a lot more likely to believe something like that. Georgia, after all, was replacing five first-round picks on defense. How many times did we hear that a year ago? And it was thought to be that Georgia had no chance of winning this past national championship because of the fact they had lost so much off the previous year's team. And yeah, maybe Georgia was lucky, and you know, maybe Georgia kind of f- sort of flukishly stumbled their way to a national championship in 2021, but they better be thankful they have that because in 2022, they're going to be a far cry from what they were in 2021. Now Georgia gets to find out what an what a rebuilding year feels like. Well, guess what? Georgia's version of a rebuilding year apparently is a good bit different than Alabama's is. So Nick Saban used rebuilding year as an excuse. Georgia uses a rebuilding year as an opportunity to reload and come back and win another national championship. And all of this, while it may make Nick Saban angry to think about – you know, the way in which rebuilding years sort of function differently at different places. The truth is, it is all very bad news for everybody else in college football that Georgia really does probably on paper this year, as crazy as this sounds, maybe it does have more robust talent in place, more seasoned, experienced talent in place for this year's defense than it had a year ago. And as we've kind of been hinting at now for a good number of months, the outlook for the Georgia defense this season actually could be a little brighter than last year's was, that you do have the potential of multiple all-SEC players. In fact, one of the questions that we're asking right now as a part of our kind of theme of over-unders, over-under, first-team, all-SEC selections for Georgia uh, here in 2023. Well, last year, Georgia only had two, Christopher Smith and Jalen Carter. But this year, the chance of having far more than that, oh, yeah, you better believe that is a possibility. And you better believe it is really bad news the rest of college football. Nick Saban's version of a rebuilding year, an excuse for why you couldn't win a national championship. Georgia's version of a rebuilding year, another national championship on the way to perhaps a third here this season. And the college football world better be getting ready for that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon, of course, uh, every day on our friends at Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref. Coming back on Tuesday, once we're back live again, we'll also get back to our first and 15 at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Looking forward to that. But every single day we do the show, always available as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever you want to choose, whichever podcast platform or video platform, whatever works for you, works for us. 
We're just glad you find Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making today's show possible. Now, I'm obviously enjoying a great weekend right now on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Doesn't get any better for me than that. But if I was at home, I'd be taking advantage of the summer grilling season. And so many of you enjoying that there, too. And Kroger, obviously a great resource as you enjoy all of that. When you think about the great food, the ribs, the burgers, the dogs, the steaks, everything else you have or the sides that go along with that, you get stocked up for all of that with our friends at Kroger. So stop by and store and do some great shopping here this weekend. Take advantage of great savings all summer long at your local Kroger. Make sure you do all of that today. We have a very busy show on tap for you. As I set it up, I need to briefly confess something just for a moment. So we're pre-recording this week. We've told you that. You know that. I'm on a little bit of a short vacation hiatus for a couple of days here. And when we do our vacation shows, one of the things that usually we just sort of have to do is we kind of have to like record these in segments a little bit. I don't know why we end up having to do that, but oftentimes we do. And one of the things I sort of pride myself on is keeping track of what day of the week it is as we're recording and then teasing ahead of what's going to happen on that show. I think yesterday I may have gotten drawn off sides a couple of times. I think yesterday I sort of set up something that we weren't quite doing. I may have referenced Mike Griffith as as an interview guest when Mike actually joined us on Wednesday. Terrence joined us yesterday. So today I'm going to try not to do that because typically speaking, I don't mess up on that. Uh, So today I'm going to try to set the stage appropriately. In fact, before we're done on this program, I'm going to make my official predictions order of finish for the SEC West. Really looking forward to doing that. I think it's a fun division again this year, the big battle between LSU and Alabama obviously a lot of attention being paid to that and we're getting into a conversation with Jeff Sintel coming up in a moment too there have been a lot of questions being asked about Georgia recruiting as of late uh, especially on the heels of you know Florida building some momentum and five-star guys saying this and whatever else uh, aftermath of the elite 11 we're trying to get some clarification on a lot of that from Jeff Sintel here coming up I'm actually really looking forward to doing that prior to that though let us get ready to go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at the finish long drink and the other day kirby smart was doing a little bit of an unorthodox podcast interview you may remember it was one of those interviews with one of those leadership type coaches that he works with and we put a link to this when we post the show the other day i'll put another link to the same conversation we post this show there at dognation.com but it's kind of an interesting sort of a larger than just the football conversation about what the championship pursuit has meant for Georgia and kind of Kirby's mindset and how he's trying to coach up the mindset of his players. It's really interesting stuff. I think it's worth your time to probably hear the entire thing, and I'm sure at some point in time we may revisit this podcast interview again just on any number of subjects because there were a lot of very interesting topics that were discussed during this particular interview. But there was one thing in particular that I wanted to pull out here for a moment as we're around the doghouse presented by Finish Long Drink because Kirby Smart, I thought, gave a nice level of credit to Georgia fans about a very specific thing. The context of the question is what the national championship meant to Georgia and meant to Kirby Smart in particular and the sense of satisfaction that he's had after that national championship. And one of the things that he talked about was the connection the Georgia players had and the fact that you work hard, you unite yourself around a common goal and the sense of satisfaction you have when that's all said and done. And so many of us kind of understand exactly what Kirby Smart means when he says that. But he also talks about the sense of satisfaction that he has personally when he goes around and interacts, whether it be fundraiser type things or booster club type things with various Georgia fans. And in the midst of talking about this, I thought Kirby acknowledged something pretty important about Georgia fans. I want to share Uh, this with you and then talk about what it kind of means to me this is Kirby Smart from a recent podcast interview the other gratification I've gotten is 
the going out and speaking and you know, booster events, raising money for, for University of Georgia, and hearing the stories of the people who have passion and energy for Georgia, how thankful and tear up at, you know, I was at the game in 1980. I was seven years old, and now I'm this. I never thought I would see Georgia win another championship. It's been so long. Like, those people are what got us through those years because they supported Georgia through and through for 40 years without a championship, and they're kind of getting some self-gratification now, too, of, hey, look, Georgia's done a great job. They've won two championships in a row. Like, that makes me proud because it is my alma mater. I love that from Kirby, saying that, hey, Georgia fans supported this program for a long time in between national championships from 1980 through 2021, and they kind of kept the program, what was the phrase you used, kind of kept the program afloat, making it possible for Georgia to break through in 2021 and 2022. And what Kirby says there is so true, and it's probably one of the reasons why you know, every now and then, whether it be the former Tennessee quarterback or the dude from Barstool or wherever else, you know, when somebody sort of steps up and says something negative about Georgia fans, a lot of us sort of feel the need to come to the defense on that. Because I got to tell you this, and this is no disrespect to the Georgia program, the Georgia Athletic Department, or anything else. Georgia had a national championship level fan base far before it had a national championship level program these georgia fans were supporting georgia as if it was the national champions for many many years waiting for that to actually become true and finally in 2021 and 2022 georgia fans got the kind of success they were always deserving of for so many years i think the trip to notre dame in 2017 is the perfect example of that we're gonna talk to jake we actually talked to jake from about that last week i guess it was that when Georgia went to South Bend that particular year, Georgia had only been 8-5 and five the previous year, and Notre Dame had only been 4-8. and eight. It's not like Georgia-Notre Dame was the biggest college football game of all time. I think in future years, it will probably be reclassified as some great clash between these two great powers. But based on the previous season, Georgia-Notre Dame wasn't even that big of a game. Neither team was ranked in the top 25, right? I mean, it just was not necessarily that big of a deal to begin you know, that particular season. And yet Georgia fans, to the tune of 40, 50,000, however many there were, Georgia fans in tens upon tens of thousands went up to Chicago, went to South Bend because that's the level of support they wanted to give to their program. That's the level of support they've always given to their program. So when you hear Kirby Smart talk about what the national championship means to him personally as a Georgia alumnus, referencing the level of happiness and the satisfaction that Georgia fans have had because of the number of years that they've been supporting UGA, I think that's just a really appropriate comment. I'm really glad to hear Kirby Smart say that. We'll put a link to the full podcast when we post the show later on at theworldfamousdognation.com. And that is Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Of course, Finish Long Drink, a great choice for you. You mentioned summer grilling season a little earlier. As you're out there and enjoying all of that, a great beverage is always a, a great way to enjoy all of that, too. And there's no better beverage for me this time of year when you're out by the pool, when you're playing golf, when you're doing something fun like that, than the Finnish Long Drink. It just tastes great. Whether you're talking about the Finnish Long Drink Cranberry, which so many of you I know have grown to love, or the Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, Long Drink Zero, that's no carbs, no sugar. The traditional, that's the one I probably like. You see it there on the screen if you're watching on video. It's the Blue Can. It's the citrus flavor. It's the Gin Kick. It is just an awesome awesome opportunity and if you haven't tried it this is the summer where that needs to happen as you're out and about doing everything 
you enjoy. The finished long drink looks good in the cooler. Uh, you see that condensation just dripping down the side of the can. It feels good in your hand. It looks like a beer, but it's not. If you like mixed drinks, this is for you. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right there in the can. So make sure you check it out today. Go to thelongdrink.com to find out more about that. And, of course, we are very happy to have the finished long drink with us here on Dog Nation Daily here today. We're also happy to have Jeff Sintel there as well. Jeff, on the aftermath of the Elite 11, the current state of the Georgia recruiting class, what's next here for that class of 2024, and so much more. Let's have all of that as a part of a great conversation here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, always great to talk some UGA recruiting with Jeff Sintel on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. There has been a lot going on with Georgia, some of it interesting, not all of it good, uh, but we'll decide what it all means here over the course of our next few minutes, and we'll invite Jeff to participate in some of these really fun over-unders that we've been doing with our various guests here this week. Jeff, let me start, though, with the task at hand. You just back in town. We're obviously recording this a little bit earlier, uh, a couple days prior to it airing here on this Friday. But uh, as we're speaking, you're just kind of back from the Elite 11 showcase, the uh, Elite 11 finals out there in uh, California, where it sounds like both the Georgia quarterback commits, Dylan Riola and Ryan Puglisi, did pretty well. I guess Julian Sayan does walk away with the MVP. We talked about this a little bit last Friday while you were still in California. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell what's what with this. So I guess now that it's all said and done, I know you'll be writing about this plenty at dognation.com. But how did Dylan Riola perform? How did Ryan Puglisi perform? What did you learn about both these quarterbacks there in this environment? So great question there, Brandon. Um, one of the things that from doing the Elite 11 for a lot of years, a lot of guys go there and they want, they want to see him shine. They want to see the star sparkle. Um, you know, they want to see like the – like kind of like Olympic diving, they want to see the perfect tens. They want to see these great quarterbacks look great. Well, from coming going out to that event for many many years now, it's really not about them looking great. It's about being placed in a pressure cooker, making them do things that they've never trained for, they've never studied, prepared for, and it's more about the mental grind and how you adapt to being uncomfortable. And I'll be honest, Brandon, I went there wanting to see. Um, Ryan Puglisi and Dylan Raiola get punched in the mouth. I expected them to – I wanted to see what happened when things don't go their way, and things didn't go their way. And you needed to see that, like after – to continue the diving metaphor there. When they have the belly flop, I want it off the high dive, and everybody's watching. How do they respond to that? One of the things, Brandon, that purposely the Elite 11 organizers did is they always had Puglisi and, and Raiola in the same group. They always had them throw right after one another and everything they did to get them used to what the Georgia Crucible is going to be like. There's one particular instance, Brandon, where Raiola, and it's one of those things, if you remember collecting trading cards growing up, now there's a company that um, has brought the kind of bought the brand and logo for rated rookies. Yeah. And they put all these rated rookies, quarterbacks, in like – really kind of like quarterback gymnastics. They had him throw into the wind. They had, a throw, had him throw through targets, had him throw through hoops. They had him try and throw in the run. And Raiola did not look very good at that at all. Like Raiola might have, might have hit one target out of eight. Okay. His, even, even the deep ball, the ball flailed. And 
it was one of one of those things where you could tell he was shaken. You could tell he was a little bit off his game, and you know, probably cognizant of, oh, here's the number one quarterback in the country, and all these other guys were hitting maybe four or five targets apiece, even the deep balls that Raiola should, should excel at. And here's what he did: he came back, and for his final performance of the Elite Eleven, he had a he had a seven on seven session where he had five drives. And he scored touchdowns on four of those five drives. And really, should have been five out of five because one of the best balls I thought he he threw in the entire seven-on-seven session was when um, he put it right where his guy needed to, and the guy dropped it. He had two really exclamation point throws for touchdowns, long touchdowns. And for me, it was an example of that's really not football, what what he kind of had the belly flop on. But then he came back, and he did things that he was comfortable with. He did football. He found the open man. He looked for his reads. He layered the ball over linebackers. He, he stretched the field deep with an accurate shot. And those were the things that Raiola was comfortable with, and he looked quite comfortable doing those. One of the main things you saw from him is him, his ability to push the ball to every corner of the field and not look like he was under duress while he was doing so. Didn't have to muscle up his balls. And I think you take his pro day session, which he completed 18 out of 20 and finished, I believe, third with a score of 44. And you take that seven-on-seven session where he scored touchdowns in four out of his five drives, and you kind of compare that to the guy that won the event, Julian Sand. Julian Sand, the Alabama commitment, had a 50, um, I believe, or a 49 on his pro day, better than Viola. But then when it came to their seven-on-seven scripts, I think Sand only managed one touchdown, and no turnovers in his five drives. So okay. you have a combination of things right there where um, Georgia and Alabama's quarterbacks are going to be compared just like the two Georgia quarterbacks in Puglisi is going to be compared. Uh, as for Puglisi, to keep my comments short and sweet, I thought Tonight. he was excellent. I thought he was everything everyone expected him to be, not quite a top-five quarterback, but definitely a top-ten-level quarterback, top-12-level quarterback. He really throws the ball super hard, Brandon. He's a competitor. His mental mindset was always there. He, he was ready to go after Viola in every turn, and he was the guy when he had to go to those stations and throw the ball through hoops, Brandon. Looked very excellent at it. He got into a rhythm. He especially threw the ball really well to the left side, and it just seems to me but between those two and the time each of them wants to take at Georgia to get things done in their career – I think the dogs are really well set up for the next three or four years in the quarterback room. So one quick follow-up on this for those that maybe don't live in this world full-time. Anything that you saw this week, does that threaten Riola's status as the nation's number one recruit? I don't think so because, remember, Brennan, the number one recruit has to have some sort of dripping with pro football potential to it. And saying for as accurate as he looked, and he looked very accurate, he was surgeon-like with a lot of his throws, um, and he, he even looked very good in, you know, a lot of those quarterback-ish type things besides just being an accurate thrower. But you got to remember, he's probably 6'1 and a half, 6'2 at the most, and he probably weighs about 185 to 90, 190 pounds. That's not going to be your prototype quarterback size, whereas Raiola is 6'3", 225, looks effortless, effort, effortless when he throws the ball. I think Sayan will probably jump to comfortably the number two quarterback in the class and maybe push Raiola and be right there. But I don't see them taking him all the way to the top simply because of the physical differences in the two quarterbacks. And uh, shifting gears, but staying on the topic of recruiting here for a moment, I think, and I say this half-kiddingly, but I think we've sort of arrived at the what's wrong with UGA recruiting portion of the summer 
from the standpoint that it seems like, and you can tell me how true this is, that some of like the anticipated momentum for Georgia and its 2024 class has kind of slowed down a little bit. I don't mean that in an overly negative way, but you're right now you got Georgia fans sort of forced to endure handful of visits for KJ Bolden. Bolden just took a visit to Ohio State. There's obviously this pretty strong family tie for him there in Columbus. Edric Houston was also on that visit too. That ship appears to have sailed. Houston looks like he's going to go to Ohio State if you're going to listen to the online chatter here at the moment. You had Jeremiah Smith saying in California what he said about his perception of the Georgia offense. I don't think many Georgia fans thought Smith was coming to Georgia necessarily, but it kind of echoes the fact that Mike Matthews is also not coming to Georgia either. You know, maybe there's still a great chance for Ryan Wingo, but there's kind of a degree of radio silence there right now on that. I don't know that too many Georgia fans were too worked up earlier this week when the defensive lineman out of Creekside, um, uh, 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 the, the defensive lineman out of Creekside made his decision to go to Florida. But uh, nonetheless, that was, I think, a recruiting battle that Georgia would have liked to have won. You know, how do you kind of currently assess – the current state of Georgia's 2024 class. Obviously, it's going to be an elite class, and uh, it's, I guess, very likely to be the number one overall class. And yet there are also some things that Georgia fans would kind of hope falling into place that, you know, you're, you're kind of left to wonder how all that's going to go. What do you kind of read about all of this here right now? I think I, I read it, Brandon, that it's always uh, right on time for free cap season, I guess, for Georgia fans in terms of who they might or might not get. Uh, Houston was kind of trending away from Georgia for the last – uh, maybe four to six weeks. Um, what I, I kind of see, let me add, add some clarifiers to the thought bubble here. I think Georgia will still finish number one comfortably. I think Georgia will still have their number one uh, overall all-time class with the 2024 cycle. I think what's going to happen is Georgia is going to find um, – I don't know if Wingo is the guy. I, I think Jeremiah Smith, J.J. Smith, we've always looked at him as being um, – that's going to be a, a – a decision that's going to come around December, late December, after what's happened with the Ohio State-Michigan game and the futures of the Ohio State coaching staff. I think the dogs can look at events of the last week and see how Nykar, one viral catch he made at the Florida 7-on-7 session, that's the Georgia commitment, and also Nitro Tuggle, what he continues to do, what he what he did out in L.A. for, I think, at least one day of the OT7. Georgia has, I think, two number one receivers in the fold, you know, there's a little thing here or there that's interesting, like as we're recording this um, se- we're recording this segment right now, uh, Marquez Easley from Kankakee, Illinois, who was a, a guy that took his official visit to Georgia that first weekend. He said it very early. He just released his top three, like as we speak, and he's got Oklahoma, Alabama, and Tennessee in his top three, mm. not the dogs. When interesting. I thought the dogs were definitely in – kind of an enviable pole position seat for him. Remember, that's the guy that had his commitment, Brandon, set for October, but on the heels of his Georgia official visit, decides he wants to move it up to early July. That was intriguing. But again, that's the offensive line. I think linebacker is something that probably defensive line and linebacker will be the more intriguing uh, parts remainder for this class. And I think L.J. McCray just took a visit to Georgia, an official visitor out of the state of Florida. And then A.N. Aiden Breeland out of uh, modern day in California, two guys that I think Georgia needs to hit on at least one of those for the defensive line class to offset what offset what's happening there with Edric Houston. There's Williams Winery also there, but I kind of, I kind of find it intriguing that I have to share with you two names. Two of them will be in it in Athens this weekend on official visits. 
Uh, that's Justin Williams, and that's also um, Joseph Jonah Ajanye. Yeah. Now, these guys are from Oak Ridge, Texas. Brandon, long time, uh, or some of our veteran Dog Nation Daily listeners might hear that and think, oh, we got a couple of Oak Ridge boys coming to visit Georgia like this it. weekend. But these guys, it's kind of typical Georgia where Georgia kind of their, their, their chances with a one key linebacker prospect maybe, maybe – kind of ebbing and flowing going up and down and you know that's the Demarcus Riddick recruitment that I'll point to right there or Sammy Brown right there well those two things there are only helping Georgia with the nation's number one linebacker prospect in Justin Williams out of Texas and his teammate and then Brent, I'll be very honest one of the one of the key one of I thought was the very key official visitors from the past weekend you know Georgia had Drew Miller their yeah. nation's number one punter there the commitment in they had only two top 100 players, one top 50 player. But one of those I found very intriguing was Chris Cole. Chris Cole, Brandon, is about 6'3", 215. He finished in the top five in some national hurdles events. And this is a linebacker, 6'3", 215, doing that. He wants to be a doctor when his time, sports medicine doc, when his time in the game is up. But, Brandon, there's a spark between his eyes. There's an intelligence there. There's some charisma there. There's kind of a, a – there's kind of a – you can just kind of tell a vibe there when he talks about Georgia. What I felt, Brandon, and I can only speak to how I feel, is I got some serious N'Kobe Dean vibes, some okay. Nolan Smith vibes, okay. some Jalen Walker vibes. When talking to Chris Cole, he really likes Georgia. He's liked Georgia for the longest. Uh, right when Georgia offered him, he set the official visit for the third week in June. And he knew, he even entertained a discussion where he's like, Sammy Brown to Clemson, okay. And then – this guy perhaps maybe flips to Auburn or Alabama. That just opens his window and opens his shot for a chance to play at a school you can tell he really likes in Georgia. I think the dogs are going to be quite giddy about the class. I wish there was something we could say where we can put the tarot cards down and people <laughs> would honestly believe that everything's going to be just fine. I'm going to tell you everything's going to be just fine. Kirby Smart has been riding this recruiting train for Georgia for six, seven, eight years now. We always know how the movie ends. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs win. They load up their roster with another crew of incredible football players that are wired the way to win for Georgia, the Georgia way. And I think this year will not 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 be an exception. I think this will be one of the bigger exclamation point classes of the Kirby era. That's a really good piece of information. I appreciate all of that. And I guess to follow up just here real briefly, you know, the Houston thing is what it is, but in the case of K.J. Bolden, who I know called his visit to Ohio State a 10 out of 10, everybody likes their visits everywhere all the time. That's not necessarily news. Do you see any reason why Georgia fans, who I think would probably view Bolden as the best chance at a five-star in-state right now, do you see any reasons why a Georgia fans should have concern over K.J. at the moment? I believe he's also, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I believe he's visiting Alabama this upcoming weekend, uh, as we're speaking here, folks watching this on a Friday. Any reason for Georgia fans to amp up their level of concern that Bolden might eventually look elsewhere? Uh, Brandon, you get me laughing. I wonder if we're ever going to see a recruit post something that the visit was at 8 out of 10 or <laughs> right. 7.5 right. or not or a 9.5 or whatever, a 9.9. K.J. Bolden, I know this, absolutely loves Georgia. I know he has Georgia in his heart. Uh, You don't take 15 visits to a place unless you really, really like it. Uh, You didn't see him rate the Georgia visit coming out of it, which I think was probably uh, tactical, uh, at at least on his social media. 
I think Georgia really has to put together a great case for K.J. Bolden and, again, to maybe knock the tooth out of that Buford curse that everybody starts thinking about when it comes to high-level prospects out of Buford and the dogs. Uh, I think he had a Florida State visit, which was an unofficial visit that he planned. Then I think he is now canceled. Okay. Uh, K.J. and the dogs, I think that's one of those, if you want to say probably who's still their best chance at adding a five-star to this class, I'd probably say it's, it's got to be K.J. Bolden as well. Um, it was always, Brandon, going to be in the end. It was always going to be Georgia and Ohio State, it felt like to me, for K.J. Bolden. And that's kind of what it's turning out to be. I think the big thing on the K.J. Bolden front is he, how close is he? Like, he's always said he wanted to do it in August before his senior year. Is, is he potentially one of those July guys that might pop either before or after fireworks? Um, I think that's one of the things in the big months of July that I think folks will be paying close attention to about not just uh, what K.J. Bolden will decide, but when he will decide. Because the dogs do like to rally a lot of uh, big booms for the month of July. Jeff, I was going to do some over-under stuff with you, but we did so much good recruiting talk. Why don't we just leave it there for today? And obviously, I know folks will love to continue to read all the great stuff you've been posting here at DogNation.com since returning from California. Great video interviews with both the Georgia quarterback commits, too. That's certainly worth folks' time there as well. And we will, back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, look forward to speaking to you very soon, too. Hey, I'll make it quick, Brandon. I'm going to pick over on all those on all those over-unders, rapid fire, uh, except for the loss total, which I would probably go under. Make it simple for everybody. That's perfect, Jeff. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Take it easy, buddy. Be well. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Boy, great to get a, a terrific recruiting update like that from Jeff Sintel. I think valuable information, too, coming off this past weekend. And I – listen, I'm – kidding i'm joking when i say what's wrong with georgia recruiting it does seem like every summer there's some reason for concern it almost always proves to be a pointless endeavor to be worried about georgia recruiting elite classes on the way each and every year and this year's class not just elite in all likelihood the number one class and yet there were some questions that some georgia fans had of what's going on with this what's going on with that and maybe there is a little bit of a I mean, let's just be honest here, a little bit of a reset of expectations based on some of the chatter from a few weeks ago. I think it's fair to point that out, but as Jeff accurately describes, listen, there is still a lot to like with this 2024 class for Georgia, and it is still the unrivaled leader when it comes to to recruiting classes here for this particular cycle. So really strong information from Jeff Sintel coming off a visit to California for him. They're a part of the Elite 11 finals there last week. Now, speaking of great visits, you have a chance to take a great visit uh, very soon. You can be a part of our Dog Nation cruise April of 2024. Now, the cool synergy of all this is I say this to you as I am enjoying my own Royal Caribbean cruise here this weekend. So literally, what a great time to be talking about Royal Caribbean cruises as, I'm, as I myself and my family, we are on one. And yet the cruise we have a chance to enjoy with you coming up this April, unlike anything that's ever been offered before. A bigger and better version of the Dog Nation cruise here because it's going to be on a bigger and I think better cruise ship, Allure of the Seas, an Oasis-class ship, an unbelievable experience, one of the largest classes of cruise ships at sea, never before offered a chance to take a three- or a four-night sailing, one of those shorter sailings for people who have very busy schedules and have a hard time maybe kind of trying to find the time to be gone for a full week. In the past, you had to be on a full-week cruise to enjoy an Oasis-class ship. But this year, or upcoming year in 2024, in Port Canaveral, Royal Caribbean going to offer the three- and four-night sailings 
on an Oasis-class ship, Allure of the Seas, and that will be the host ship for the excuse me, for the Dog Nation cruise coming up uh, next spring. So go to RoyalDogs.com. You can find out all the details. Going to Nassau in the Bahamas, perfect day, Coco K. Going out of Port Canaveral again, the big NFL draft party, all the things that made the Dog Nation cruise so much fun this past year, and even more special surprises on the way for 2024. So there's only room for 200 staterooms. Many of those have already been booked. Go ahead and get yours reserved today, RoyalDogs.com for more on that royaldogs.com okay so yesterday as we're cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i gave you my official predictions order of finish for the sec east i want to do this for the sec west today now monday i'm going to give you my official prediction for the college football playoff i've already told you i believe that georgia's going to win the national championship and go for three and 23 but we'll pick the rest of the playoff on monday and admittedly i'm having a little bit of a hard time finding my four teams there's some internal debate in my mind of well can you really pick this team can you really pick that team can you really do that there's some debate in my mind on that uh so we will um we'll have it out on monday and i'll kind of lay it all out for you and we'll just sort of figure out where it's all going we will do that then but for today let's do the sec west sec east was yesterday sec west probably a little bit more challenging a little bit more difficult i want to start from the bottom and work my way up mississippi state we mentioned in this space on tuesday Obviously, first-year coach Zach Arnett. I don't expect much. They'll probably be good defensively. They'll probably be pretty physically tough. They'll probably experience some growing pains with the passing of Mike Leach and the huge changeover that Arnett wants to institute offensively. That means probably a lot of losses. And so I'll put them at the bottom of the SEC West. One spot above them, I have Arkansas. And I really hope I'm wrong about this. I've been warning about this for a little while here. I don't love the vibe at Arkansas right now. Changeover coordinator, Dowell Loggins also leaves to go become South Carolina offensive coordinator. I don't think you fault a guy leaving a position coach role to go take a coordinator role. I don't think you fault that necessarily. Not even necessarily. I don't think you fault that at all. But they've had some excess with the transfer stuff here a little bit. K.J. Jefferson's back. That's good news. But, man, they had some losses last year that that were close, could have gone a different way. And had they gone a different way, I think it probably creates a little bit of a different feeling around Fable that exists right now. I love Pittman. I want there to be more college coaches like Sam Pittman. But no matter how great the personality is and how successful the first couple of years were relative to expectations, eventually you have to kind of keep that going. And after last year, Arkansas needs to win some games here this year. And for now, we're going to kind of put them sixth in the SEC West and give them a chance to prove us wrong. Ole Miss, I've got fifth. That's obviously an opponent for Georgia. So this is somewhat relevant. I think the issue that I have with the Rebels is is this is a very transfer-centric team. And if you look at the Ole Miss schedule, it's actually pretty tough. You're talking about non-conference game against Tulane. You're talking about the entirety of the SEC West, plus having to play Georgia. There are some losses on this schedule, it would certainly seem. And for a transfer-oriented team, sort of a short-term-oriented team, a team that kind of comes together with the hopes of, hey, let's make a name for ourselves and go on to the NFL, what's the vibe going to be in Oxford if they lose a bunch of games? The, the, the version of Ole Miss that comes to Athens in November, are they checked in or are they checked out? I, I think it's tough to know. And that's why I can't have them any better than fifth in the SEC West. I think they lose games. I think those losses could kind of compound and magnify. In some form or fashion, they'll probably circle the wagons before the complete end of the year because Lane Kiffin will be unemployed if he doesn't beat Mississippi State this season. I believe they will. I told you I had the Bulldogs bottom of the SEC West. I think Ole Miss is better than that. 
But Lane Kiffin needs wins. He needs to certainly do better than he did a year ago, at least get off to a better start here this season. But come middle of the campaign, it gets pretty tough for Ole Miss there. So hard to see them much better than fifth in the SEC uh, West. I've got A&M at fourth. Um, I think that Bobby Petrino, if he's a lot of call plays there, could make a positive impact. I think Evan Stewart's one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. You know, we'll figure out what happens at quarterback there. But, you know, this is a team that might not be quite as embarrassing as A&M has been in some spots, um, you know, last couple of years. But this is also a pretty tough SEC West. And from that standpoint, hard to have them any better than fourth. In fact, the team I have ahead of them, I actually have winning on the road there. I've got Auburn as third in the SEC West this year. I think that Hugh Freeze is a big upgrade to the coaching spot. Now, listen, some of y'all may say, well, this is my new version of Jimbo Fisher. I talked up Jimbo Fisher. That didn't turn out to be true. At least it hasn't turned out to be true yet. In the case of uh, Jimbo Fisher, this may be the latest example of that. Or I should say Hugh Freeze may be the latest example of that where I, uh, I believe that Freeze has a real opportunity to bring Auburn football back to respectability. And – I think third in the SEC West for me this year sounds about right. I think they maneuvered the transfer portal pretty well, probably recruited a little bit better than you realize. I like the coaching hires that uh, that Freeze made. I like Philip Montgomery specifically as an offensive coordinator. Hugh Freeze himself, a very sharp offensive mind. You can say what you want about this guy's personal life, and certainly everybody has. But on the field, I think he brings an SEC culture back to Auburn something they desperately need and I believe they'll win on the road at AM for instance that may be enough to put them third in the SEC West over a team uh you know such as A&M who might typically be slotted there and probably will be when the SEC media days take place in a couple of weeks I've got LSU one Alabama two now let me just say this really quick it seems like as of late that LSU has sort of been kind of uh, positioned as the darling media team here of the offseason. If that's true now, it was not true months ago. When the calendar year first flipped and people first started making their opinions about the 2023 season, you were not seeing a ton of LSU love at the time. In fact, there were many, many instances in which we said that LSU was the most underdiscussed team in all of college football. Well, as of late, it seems like that's starting to change a little bit. You're commonly seeing LSU mentioned in preseason top tens and things like that, and you're frequently seeing LSU picked to win the SEC West now. Will they be actually picked to win the division at the SEC media days? I'm not quite so sure about that. Uh, I think there's still some Alabama love that's out there, but there's also a growing sense of Alabama skepticism because of how spring practice played out and the lack of resolution for the quarterback position. I think that's opened the door for more LSU predictions, but we were on LSU prior to that because we had a little bit of a sense the Alabama quarterback conversation was going to kind of work out the way that it has here thus far with very little in the way of an obvious starter in play. So skepticism about Alabama has caused some to reconsider LSU, which in our mind was the right decision all the time anyway. So from that standpoint, you're looking at year two of Brian Kelly, won the West a year ago, I think in position to do that again. Listen, I think a version of Alabama that looks a little bit more like it did kind of pre-Lane Kiffin, the 2011 and 12 type teams, the 2009 type team, more defense, more running the football, leaning an offensive line. I think that's probably still a fairly dangerous version of Alabama, but it is not what it once was. It is not. And by the way, even last year, Alabama offensively probably was a little bit more of a step down than you realize a year ago there as well. So to me, Alabama good, not great, not good enough to win this division. I think LSU is a real legitimate team here this year to, in fact, maybe even do more than win the West. 
in consideration for the college football playoff, along with a team like Georgia. We'll talk more about that on Monday, and for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as we close out our week, uh, a couple of fun golden shoes to send you out the door here on a Friday. We'll show you the first of these on the screen here right now. Speaking of uh, national championship pursuits, things like that, uh, and speaking of a fun 2024 slate for the dogs there as well, Matt Rukavina, as he's known dog in Houston on Twitter, says that he's currently in the Austin area there at Salt Lake Barbecue, very famous barbecue spot. You can tell Matt's having a great time, enjoying some great food. He says, I'm letting everybody know that when the dogs are in town, we're going to come hungry and we're going to be ready to eat. He says, go dogs, hashtag golden shoe. Uh, Matt, that looks like a very good plate there and probably a really good precursor of some wonderful meals that dog fans may have when they go out to uh, Austin next year. So good stuff from you. We'll give you a well-deserved golden shoe for all that. And by the way, if you're going to have a great meal, you got to have something great to wash it down with. Our buddy Ness Ball Design shares this. He says, uh, proud to see the finished long drink right there taking center stage. And what he's sharing here is a tweet coming from uh, Dwight on Twitter. And at the golf course, as I told you before, the finished long drink, always great on the golf course. And there you see right there in the middle, that finished long drink cranberry. Dwight having a good time with that. Uh, Ness sharing that with me. We'll send golden shoes all the way around for those enjoying some finished long drink here this weekend, too. Now, speaking of a great cocktail or a ready-to-drink cocktail, uh, right there in the uh, can, how about the cocktail party coming up? Our Gator Hater Countdown just 127 days from right now. That is our Gatorator countdown, the day in which we think Georgia beats Florida again. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will look forward to talking to you then. And on video, time now for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown. R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the prices promised, as I told you. On Monday, we are going to do our official playoff predictions. And it is not easy. I got to tell you, it's not easy. Not easy to do. But we are going to to do that nonetheless. So we already have Georgia in there. We have Georgia winning the national championship. I gave you a little bit of a hint about what I might be doing with one of the other teams there. So we'll kind of finish off those uh, on um, we'll finish those off on Monday, and obviously, always look forward to hearing your thoughts on that there too. So we'll get back to live comments again on Tuesday. That's when I'm back from my uh, cruise vacation. So we'll look forward to doing that with you then. In the meantime, y'all make sure you check out RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Showing up on time, doing the work that's promised, the price that's promised, including getting that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You can trust RS Andrews on that today. Y'all have a great day. Back here tomorrow, or should I say back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then.